very beginning, chapter, uh, a couple verses from chapter 1, and then uh, a few verses from chapter 2, this, this part of the creation story, specifically as it relates to, to our relationship with God, God's relationship to us through the first man and woman, through Adam and Eve. So let's begin at Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse, um, at verse 15. This is what we read. It said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Now to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, And pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that we would have our eyes opened, our hearts opened, our spirits opened to your Holy Spirit that moves and challenges and shapes us into the very likeness of Christ Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. A couple years ago I had a chance to go. I was in Houston for um, some church visits and some educational opportunities. And uh, while I was there, got to do a little bit of um, sightseeing, if you will, and had a chance to go to uh, Johnson Space Center there in Houston. And... uh, while I was there, I'd been away for a few weeks. It was one of my summer, summer um, educational trips. And so I'd been away for a few weeks, and this was coming to the end. I was going to be flying from Houston home. So I knew that was the point I needed to start thinking about doing what every good parent does when they've been away from their kids for a few weeks, bring them a present. So um, I was there at the Space Center, and, and so I thought, oh, this would be a good place to get, you know, give the kids a T-shirt or something. So that's what I did. Got something for Cassie something for Ryan. Didn't pay a lot of attention to the words on what I was getting. I liked the shirt, liked the design, thought Ryan would like it, so, so got him a shirt. It was a little bit after that he was wearing it one day, and I noticed uh, that the lettering on it, it, it kind of just caught my eye, because I, like I said, I hadn't paid a lot of attention. And on the shirt that I got, it had these initials, F-I-N-A-O, F period. I period, N period, A period, O period. Anybody know what that stands for? You've been in the first, sir. Yeah, cheaters. The cheaters, the cheaters are up front. It stands for failure is not an option. Right. Failure is not an option. You remember what that's from? Apollo 13. In the movie, Gene Krantz, who is the... Um, I can't remember his title. What did we say last service? Flight director? Flight director for the Apollo 13 mission, if you saw the movie, when they realized the astronauts are kind of in trouble. 
and that they have to figure out a way to get them home and how daunting that task is, he exclaims, failure is not an option. Now, interestingly enough, he actually never said that in real life. It was a Hollywood creation that really encaptured, though, the ethos of the mindset of those engineers and flight directors that whatever it took, they were going to be successful. He adopted it. In fact, a few years ago, Gene Kranz wrote a book titled Failure is Not an Option. But it really kind of encapsulates this mindset that no matter what I do, I'm going to be successful. Whatever obstacle I face, whatever challenge is in front of me, I am going to be successful. I'm going to achieve I'm going to win. I'm going to, I'm going to accomplish whatever it is. And that is a wonderful attitude. We should, we should pursue that. But is it accurate to the realities of life? Is it accurate to embrace the possibility that, that we can't fail? I mean, how many of us would... would want to be in a situation in life where you knew you could never fail. Would that be a good thing? I don't know. I mean, I think if we're honest, we want it, but is it a good thing? It's interesting. This has begun, begun to pervade some, some um, educational circles. I was reading an article about a school district in Virginia that has kind of adopted this mentality, and they've created a system where the lowest grade a student can can receive on any assignment is a 50. Is a 50. You can miss every question, but you cannot be given lower than a 50 on an assignment. How many would, wouldn't mind that? I might not have objected to that when I was a student. But the idea is they, wanna, they want to eliminate the possibility of failure. They want to eliminate the possibility of failure. Now, I'm not trying to be critical. Education is not my thing. And I, I understand why they're doing it. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with it, but I understand why they're doing it. But, but what challenges me in that, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to be in a situation where we can't fail? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I mean, let me ask you, how many in here have never failed in anything? Yeah, good. Because if you raised your hand, I might think you're lying, which would be a failure to tell the truth. Um, <laughs> at some level. And so I thought, as we're celebrating confirmation, as, as I'm standing here in front of these young ladies that have just um, made their statements of faith and are really in these early exciting stages of life, I thought, what would be a wonderfully uplifting message? Let's talk about failure this morning. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that, that failure is a part of of our stories. It's a part of human story. The very first story of Adam and Eve is a story of failure. God places them in the garden in perfection and he says it's all yours except one tree. You can eat from any of them except this one. This tree stay away from but everything else you can have and of course we know exactly how the story, the story went because Adam and Eve behaved the way we all behaved as kids, the way any kid behaves. You put ten toys in front of a child and you say you can play with any of them and then you take one aside and say, but this one, don't touch this one, and then leave the room and tell me what's going to happen. 
That's right. They're going straight for the one they say. Even if it's the lamest toy in the group, that's the one they're going for. Because that's human nature. And, and Adam and Eve, con conveniently, in an entire garden, are hanging around the one tree they shouldn't be. And they're disobedient. And it's sin. And it's brokenness. But it's failure. It is absolutely failure. So, so this mentality that failure is not an option is, is very is in conflict with the reality we know, because that's not life. I mean, we can maybe create education systems where we take the possibility of failure, but we can't create a life situation that we take away the possibility of failure. We all just evidenced it. Everybody in here has failed at something, at some time. So failure is an option. Failure is a possibility. Denzel Washington They've got this um, video that is circulating that you may have seen. It's from a few years ago, but it's him addressing the graduates at the University of Pennsylvania in 2011. And he looked at them, like I'm looking at you guys, and says, you will fail, you will lose, you will stink at something. There's a, take that home, put that on your refrigerator. You will fail, you will lose, you will stink at something. It will happen. So our challenge for us is to how do we think about failure? How do we process failure? The whole sermon series in, in Lent is called Against the Grain. And each week we're going to look at aspects of, of our faith and our mindset that challenges us to think a little bit differently. That challenges the way we process, the way we behave. And our behavior and our mindset is we want to avoid failure at all costs. Nobody pursues it, nor should you. If you come up to me and say, my goal is to fail, we need to schedule an appointment. Okay? That's not what we're about. That's not who we want to be. But the reality is, we face it. The reality is, it is, um, it, it is, it is part of our stories. It is, it is part of our experience. So we need to begin to think, what do we learn about failure? What do we learn from Adam and Eve? What do we learn from the continuation of, of human history about what it means to fail and what it means to push through failure? Because failure has purpose. God weaves it for purpose. In fact, you take away the possibility of failure and very often you do more harm than you do good. There's, there's a... a something called risk compensation. Risk compensation says that the more you eliminate the chance for something to go wrong, the more reckless that people become. So, for instance, they've scientifically shown that when people wear their seat belts, which we all, I think, agree we should wear, people drive faster. As technology in cars has advanced with braking and alerts and alarm systems, we've gotten more dangerous on the roads. Skydivers, they just, as skydiving has become more safe, the equipment has become better, the, the failure rate has reduced significantly. As that equipment and that um, activity has in many ways gotten safer, the mortality rate has not dropped at all. You know why? Because as the safety's got better, skydivers have become more daring. And so they do more risky things because they trust the equipment. They don't associate a high probability of failure. Risk compensation. We need to embrace. Not embrace. That's actually not the word. Nobody embraces. Yay, failure. Woohoo. Um, we need to accept that it's part of the journey. It was for Adam and Eve, but, but we learn in it. 
we learn from it. God is at work even in the midst of our failures and our shortcomings and our sin. I mean, that's what happens. Adam and Eve are disobedient. But God doesn't abandon them. And their story continues. Denzel Washington, I told you about that um, speech he gave. He talks about the value of failure, learning from it. He talked about, in this, he talks about one of his very first, and maybe his very first audition at a theater. I don't remember where. It's probably in New York. That's where he's from. And he talked, basically, he just talked about how he tanked the audition. He was awful. He tried to, it was musical theater. He's like, I couldn't sing, and I didn't know how to act on stage. It was awful. And he didn't get the part. And he said that became a catalyst for him for thousands of failed auditions that he would then go on. But he said he never quit. He calls it failing forward. And of course, we wouldn't be talking about him now if he hadn't found some success and had some success is, is modest. But he, he said that a few years ago, he was in a play in New York that has recently been turned into a movie. Some of you may have seen it called Fences. And he said when that play opened, it opened on the very stage in the very theater that he bombed in his first audition. He learned. He didn't quit, but he learned. Failure has value. What do we learn from Adam and Eve? There's, there's a phrase in that story in Genesis 37 that after they eat from the fruit that they're not supposed to eat from, it says their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. Now, as we read that, we kind of associate that with the fact that they recognize they're naked and they create clothes. And that is certainly part of the story. But I think their eyes were opened to a couple, couple profound truths that I just want to kind of lay out there and let you wrestle with them in your own journey. And this is what they learned. This is what their eyes were open to. One, that they needed to trust God at his word. God told them, this is what you are not to do. There are consequences for this action. And yet, when they faced the decision, they had the chance to listen to the voice of God or to listen to the voice of the serpent. And they listened to the serpent. They listened to the serpent who got in there and said, don't worry about this test, you can't fail. No matter what you do, it's good. You eat from the fruit, your eyes are going to be open, you're going to know more, you're going to be smarter, you're going to be like God. So no fear of failure. God had told them just the opposite. They needed to learn to trust God. Why do we ground everything we do in Scripture? We talked with these young ladies in confirmation. This is where our faith, this is the foundation of our faith, our understanding of who God is here, because this is God's Word. It's not easy to understand. We don't always agree. We wrestle with it. But we start here, because we believe we take God at His Word. And so that's where our faith begins. The second thing is this. They learned they couldn't be like God. See, that was their mistake. They thought that if they ate from this fruit, they would gain this knowledge, they'd gain this wisdom. They didn't have to rely on God. They could have it for themselves. And that is very, very dangerous. We fall into that trap. Well, we don't call it that. But we become very self-sufficient. We become believing we're possible. We can do it on our own. It's about us. We don't need God. And they learned quite the opposite. Their eyes were open. They needed God. That it was His strength they were dependent upon. It was His grace they were dependent upon. And that's, too, where our eyes need to be opened. The good news of the story is this. The good news in God's work in the midst of failure is God didn't give up on them. God didn't quit. The whole story, from this point on, from Genesis to the rest of Scripture, here's the repeating pattern of faith. We fail, God pursues. We fall short of doing the very things God has called us to, and God doesn't quit on us. We are disobedient to God, and God gives us His grace. God constantly comes after us 
in spite of the fact that we constantly walk away from him. That's what Adam and Eve did. And there was consequence for it. There was a price to pay, but God didn't give up on them. God redeems the story. God redeems the story of, of us, our story. God's constantly at work, even in the midst of our failures. We could probably tell stories after story here about the way God has redeemed our failures. Peter Gomes, for many years, was the pastor at Memorial Church outside Harvard. I've talked about Peter Gomes before. And he tells his story. He, was, he tells that when he was in college, or I'm sorry, when he was in high school, his dream school, the school he wanted to go to for college, was Bowdoin College in Maine. Some of you may know that school. I don't. But that's where he wanted to go. And so he went for an interview. He applied. He sat down before the counselors or academics, whoever was in charge of that decision. He sat before them. They interviewed him. And they looked at him. And they said, Mr. Gomes, you are not Bowdoin material. You need to apply somewhere else. And talk about a gut punch. Devastating gut punch. So he fell to his second choice, which was Bates College, where he says he got a wonderful education. He went on uh, to get advanced degrees. He went on to, to be in ministry. He went to be one of the most respected pastors in the country. And lo and behold, one day, Bowdoin College invited him back to speak and receive an honorary degree. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about revenge. <laughs> that would have been it. Seriously, how many of us would have loved to be like, you know, told you so. But that's not what he did. In fact, he thanked him. He said, what you did for me was a gift. It was a favor. Because this moment of failure, this, this moment of devastation, this moment of, of crushing defeat became a catalyst for God to work in a new way, for a new endeavor, for God to do something new in my life. God redeemed it. He made something of it. That's what God does in our stories. That's what God does. We learn to depend upon God. We learn that it is His strength. I realized one of the turning points in ministry for me as a preacher, as a pastor, was when I stopped worrying so much about making mistakes partly because I'd made so many of them. I had. I mean, you can't do this every week without covering the gamut of mispronouncing names or getting scriptures wrong or forgetting your points or, or falling on over the steps. I've done that before. And, and I, I just I covered all of those things, including those days when I'd sit down after a sermon and go, sorry, God, that was awful. I mean, that, that had, there's nothing worse for a pastor, anybody who speaks, to pour your heart and soul into something for a week and sit down and go, that wasn't, that wasn't it. I just didn't, I didn't say anything. And this is what happened. I told you this before. Inevitably, this is what happens in those moments. Somebody will come up to me and go, thank you for those words. They meant a lot to me. And I'll go, really? <laughs> you got anything out of that? And it just reminds me. It's like God saying, hey, it's not about you. It's not about you. Let me work. I'll use you sometimes. Sometimes I'll use in spite of you, but it ain't about you. Depend on me. That's what we need to have our eyes open to. Failure is a part of life. It is inevitable. But it's not the end. And it's not to be feared. Not to be embraced. Don't chase it. But don't fear it. Because if we're not moving forward in faith, we're not trying. In fact, again, Denzel Washington said, if you don't fail, you're not achieving anything. Not achieving anything. So move forward and trust that God is a God of redemption. Sometimes a failure is, Adam and Eve's failure was their sin. 
It was their disobedience. We got to own that. Sometimes our failures are our fault. But God doesn't give up on us. Sometimes the failures are, are no fault of our own. And God doesn't give up on us. He redeems that. That's the gift of life. Failure is an option. But it's not an option we fear. And it's never beyond God's ability to turn around. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Grace is, Lord, thank you for your constant work in our lives. The promise of faith that you give us, the hope that we have of your redemptive power, even in the midst of, of the messes that we sometimes face. Help us to trust in that and to trust in you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen.